Dear Father, we just come to you and thank you so much for this opportunity that you've given us to study your word, to open your word before our eyes this morning and to see what it has in store for us, Father. I pray that as we do just that, that you'll strengthen us and grow us through your word, that we may be better suited to serve you in all that we do. May it bring you honor, glory, and praise. For it's in your son's name we ask. Amen. The scripture that I'm going to be reading from this morning is found in 1 Kings chapter 18. And to kind of give you an overview of what all of this is going to talk about, there was a, a drought in the land. There was a famine. And in the first verse of chapter 18, it says, Now it happened after many days that the word of the Lord come to Elijah in the third year, saying, Go show yourself to Ahab, and I will send rain on the face of the earth. So in that particular scripture, God is saying, I will send the rain, which also means that only God has that power, which means that God has the power to withhold the rain. Those kind of things are, they're reserved for him exclusively. Only God has that kind of power. But in some scripture that I'm going to share with you, verses 17 and 18 and in 19 of chapter 18, it says, when Ahab saw Elijah, Ahab said to him, is this you, you tormentor of Israel? And he said, I have not troubled Israel, but you and your father's house have, because you have forsaken the commandments of the Lord and have followed the Baals. Now then send and gather to me all, all Israel at Mount Carmel together with 450 prophets of Baal and 400 prophets of the Asherah who eat at Jezebel's table. So in that particular scripture, King Ahab was blaming Elijah and his representation of God, his presence and who he represented in that, that Baal was upset and was the one withholding rain. And in that, what he was ultimately saying is that Baal has the same power, if not greater power than the one true God. So Elijah tells him that's not the case. And he also went on to say that to gather the prophets and come together at Mount Carmel. And then whenever he gets them there, there's some things that begin to happen, but there's a scripture that I want to share with you. And it's verse 21 of chapter 18. It says, after they were there, it said, Elijah came to all the people and said, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? And in that one statement, what the prophet is saying is you understand who God is. He was there with you day to day, providing guidance and provisions all the way from the transition from slavery to the promised land. So why are you caught up between two different opinions, two things that you perceive to be as truth or possible options when ultimately you know what the truth is and who you are to serve? And in that, there was a challenge. Ultimately, Elijah challenged the prophets of Baal to take them for themselves a cow, and Elijah took one, and they were going to offer a sacrifice, and they each prepared altars, and they slaughtered the animal, cut it into pieces, and placed it on the altar. Um, and then verse 24 says, And you call on the name of your God, and I will call on the name of my God, and the God who answers by fire, he is God. And all the people said, that is a good idea. So ultimately, what Elijah said is, we're going to do the same things. We're going to prepare in the same manners, and then we're going to call on our own gods and see who has the true power here. And ultimately, what it all come down to is that the, pro the, the prophets of Baal called on Baal to set fire to the altar because the condition that Elijah placed is, we'll prepare the altar, prepare the sacrifice, but set no fire to it. We'll leave that up to the power of our individual gods. 
ultimately the god Baal, the false god, failed to do just that. But when Elijah prepared his altar, he had them to pour four jars of water, four clay jars of water on his altar three separate times for a total of 12 jars, ultimately soaking, saturating everything with water to include a trench that he dug around his altar. It filled with water also to show that this is going to be something of true power, that there's going to be no mistake here where the real power is. When he called on God, it said in verse 27, it came about at noon that Elijah mocked them and said, call out with a loud voice for he is God talking about Baal. Either he is occupied or gone aside or is on a journey or perhaps he is asleep and needs to be awakened. When he told them this, they cried out even louder, trying to elicit a response from a place that it just simply was not going to come. So ultimately there was a complete failure on Baal to do what their expectation was. And reading on down, it says, um, in verse 31, it says, Elijah took 12 stones according to the number of the tribes of the sons of Jacob, to whom the word of the Lord had come saying, Israel shall be your name. So with the stones, he built an altar in the name of the Lord, and he made a trench around the altar large enough to hold two measures of seed. Then he arranged the wood, cut the ox into pieces, and laid it on the wood. And then he said, fill four pitchers with water and pour it on the burnt offering and on the wood. And he said, do it a second time. And then there was a third. It says, and the water flowed around the altar and he also filled the trench with water. So everything here, as we said, it was totally saturated with water. And then this is what happened. In verse 36 of chapter 18, first Kings says this, he says, at the time of the offering, of the evening sacrifice, Elijah the prophet came near and said, O Lord, the God of Abraham, Isaac, and Israel, let it be known that you are the God of Israel and that I am your servant and I have done all these things at your word. Answer me, O Lord, answer me, that this people may know that you, O Lord, are God and that you have turned their hearts back again. Then the fire of the Lord fell and consumed the burnt offering and the wood and the stone and the dust and licked up the water that was in the trench. And then it goes on to say, verse 39, and when all the people saw it, they fell on their faces and they said, the Lord, he is God. The Lord, he is God. Now, in the aftermath of all of that, ultimately the false prophets, were they were put to death. But the story in itself all comes together to prove a point that in all of the options, see, just in this situation, Satan tries to provide us, we know and understand who our God is. We know and understand that there's truly only one that we serve, but that scripture comes back to me when Elijah asked the question, how long will you hesitate between two opinions? I think sometimes that's what we do. We get caught up in all of the things that are going on, trying to blend, trying to fit in, trying to be a part of something that we ultimately have no, part or no, no business being a part of, as children of God. And in that, it's deceiving at times to those around us who watch it happen, thinking that we're children of God, but we're participating in things that just like the rest of the world. In that, we could also apply that to ourselves. How long will we hesitate between two opinions? If we're children of God and we know who our one true God is, 
we really don't have to make that choice anymore as to what we're going to be caught between. Our service is to be to God, not anything else. It's not to say we're not to enjoy certain things, but we're to enjoy them within the guidelines set by his word that he wrote about himself to those who love him. We're not to be caught up in the trappings of the world or to pursue other things that we feel like, as in this case, are equal to or greater than God. And that's what happens in situations. Whenever we start pursuing things that we have no business being a part of, what we're ultimately doing is we're thinking to ourselves or implying in some form or fashion that our happiness, the things that will really satisfy us are going to come from other areas other than God. And I think about the nation of Israel as they traveled from captivity to the promised land. God's presence was with them daily, his provisions, the pillar of fire, the pillar of cloud, manna from heaven, their clothes didn't wear out. Everything that they needed was provided. The problem comes in is when Satan starts introducing things into our lives that bring about questions as to where our real happiness will come from. If you look at people around us that are living these chaotic lives, it's constantly something going wrong, constantly having issues in their lives. A lot of times you can find a person in that situation living either outside the will of the Father or lost altogether. It's only when we come under the submission of the Holy Spirit under our Heavenly Father and live that life that we find true peace and happiness. Because in the reality, only he understands what is best for his children. Sometimes we think we do. Sometimes we interpret things that will bring us happiness that, that have no basis of value or true joy in it at all. And in that process, we're left feeling void. And that comes from the deceptions of Satan. If we want to be truly happy and truly experience a joyful life, as a child of God, that'll only come from one place. And that's serving and having that relationship with our Heavenly Father through Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior. Which brings me to the next point. If that is something that you have not experienced yet, if you're still looking for that joy in life, it's going to come through that relationship with Jesus Christ. And I urge you to act on that. It's not easy to, to make changes in lives, especially when we're caught up in habits and in ruts and doing things that are appear to be comfortable to us, but as we look around us, it's very easy to see the Bible fulfilling itself each day more and more. Time is not long for us anymore here on earth. God's word is fulfilling itself and we don't know it could be any day when the church is caught up to meet our Lord in the clouds. If you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, I urge you to think on these things. To ask, in your heart, ask yourself to search your heart to come to that point in your life. And I feel certain that either through this message or at some point in time in your life, you felt the call. If you've not accepted that, I want to encourage you to do just that. God did not create us for a relationship with Satan. God did not create us for hell. God created us for a relationship with him. Unfortunately, there are people who reject that relationship and follow the bales, so to speak, of the Old Testament, ultimately following Satan in his ways now. While the time frame may be different and the points of views have changed some, it's ultimately at the heart of the matter the same thing. People following other gods 
chasing other things, assuming that it will fulfill them, meet their needs, and bring about joy in their life, only to live their life and come to the end of it and find out I was wrong. Don't make that mistake. Just in this book and story that we've shared this morning from the scripture, true power and the one true God that contains that power is evidenced all around us. Just as the nation of Israel had his presence through the different pillars and the food that were provided, we have his presence before our eyes each and every day when the sun comes up, when it rains, when it stops raining. All of these things are controlled by the one true God, and that is the God of our Lord and Savior, Jesus Christ. I pray for each one of you as a pastor. I have a pastor's heart and love people. But I do want to encourage you that if you've not accepted Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior, you need to think on these things. If you have questions, if you would like to contact me, please feel free to do so here at Louisville Baptist Church. I would love the opportunity to sit and talk about our Lord with you. I pray that you have a great week, and I pray that the Lord will bless you. But keep your eyes open, people. There is a God on the throne, and there's a Lord and Savior named Jesus Christ that's preparing to come back for his church. Y'all have a great day.